This episode is brought to you by the Weather Channel app. Did you know the app can help you forecast more than just the weather? With allergy tracking and fluid mapping. So you know when to stay inside and load up on podcast, As well as air quality and UV indexing. So you know when to get outside, load up on sunscreen and podcast. Forecast more of what you love with the Weather Channel app. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Care Talk. My name is Laura Packard, and I'm the Executive Director of Healthcare Voter. But healthcare is a personal issue for me because I am also a cancer survivor, and the insurance I had through the Affordable Care Act helped me to be in remission and be here hosting the show. So we are here to take your healthcare questions and get you answers. And right now, November is a special time of year because it's open enrollment for both Medicare and the Affordable Care Act. So first, let's talk about Medicare open enrollment. What is it? When is it? And what do you need to know uh, what to do? Welcome, Diane Archer from uh, Just Care and Social Security Works. Laura, um, it is indeed Medicare open enrollment period, and it is an important time of year for everyone with Medicare because you can take the time to look at all your Medicare options again and switch Medicare options if you can save money or get better access to care. So you have one big look and that's between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage. Traditional Medicare being government administered and giving you access to most doctors and hospitals around the country, but also requiring you to have supplemental coverage to pick up the costs that Medicare doesn't pay, which are uncapped. So you need that extra coverage in order to protect yourself financially. But you do get the care from the doctors you want to see without the need for a referral or prior off. Your other option is Medicare Advantage. And there, if you're already in a Medicare Advantage plan, you still need to be looking during this open enrollment period at your options because everything about your Medicare Advantage plan, believe it or not, can change next year, beginning in January. So your doctors can change the ones who are in the network who are covered by your plan. Uh, The rules of coverage can change. So you may need prior authorization for services that you never needed them before. And uh, your costs can change. Uh, Your out-of-pocket costs can change dramatically from one year to the next. Uh, The good news with Medicare Advantage is there is an out-of-pocket cap. The bad news is that can be as high as $8,300 for the year in 2023. So you want to be careful if you're going for Medicare Advantage to save money. You might find that if you need costly services, your out-of-pocket costs can be way more than you would pay for uh, traditional Medicare with supplemental coverage. Supplemental coverage usually costs about $2,500 a year, whereas you could be paying as much as $8,300, depending upon which Medicare Advantage plan you pick um, uh, out of pocket. So those are some of your, uh, the things you need to think about. The last thing I'll say here is that with Medicare Advantage, usually your prescription drug coverage is wrapped into your Medicare Advantage uh, plan coverage, which can save you also a little bit of money, but that's only if the Medicare Advantage plan covers the drugs that you use or will need down the road. So you want to look at that as well. How much will you pay out of pocket for your prescriptions? 
in the Medicare Advantage plan that you're currently in versus one uh, new one in 2023. Whereas if you're in traditional Medicare, you want to be looking at all your Part D prescription drug plan options to find the one that best meets your needs and covers your drugs at uh, the greatest savings to you, the lowest out-of-pocket costs to you. So there are a bunch of things to think about. You can get free help from your state health insurance assistance plan to help you navigate. Uh, You can go to the web to find the number of the state plan in your area. And um, it's worth it. You can save a lot of money. Great. Thank you, Diane. And next, we'll talk about insurance for if you're under 65. So uh, right now, uh, open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act is going on. So what is it? When is it? And what do you need to know and do about it? Welcome, Zoid Finch from Health Sherpa. Hi. Uh, So yeah, Affordable Care Act, open enrollment. This means that Anyone can go can enroll in health insurance through the marketplace. Of course, if you otherwise qualify, which a lot of Americans do, um, you do not need a qualifying life event right now. It's open to everyone. And if you are already enrolled through the marketplace, this is your time to go in, make sure your application is completely up to date, make sure your income matches what you project you'll earn next year in 2023, um, and choose your plan for next year. If you're currently enrolled, you will get auto re-enrolled into either the same plan or a similar plan if that plan is no longer going to be available next year. However, we find that folks save a lot more money when they go in and actively select a plan and change um, to a different plan. Um, Even if you're satisfied with your current plan, it could be changing or going away completely. You know, we do have some carriers that are leaving the market or leaving certain counties. So it's really important to go in and fill out your application and make sure you're getting a plan for next year that you like. Um, This open enrollment is going to be the same as it was last year or is extended. It runs from November 1st to January 15th. However, if you want a January 1st start date, you have to enroll by December 15th. So you have a month left to go and enroll for January 1st coverage. If you enroll between December 16th and January 15th, you will be getting February. Um, So still, if you miss it, that's great that more folks will still be able to go and get enrolled. But it's it's important to get coverage starting as soon as you can, um, because you never know what's going to happen. Um, You can go to our website at HealthSherpa. You can also go to healthcare.gov to fill out an application and see what you're eligible for. Um, both our site and healthcare.gov. We have call centers if you'd prefer to work with someone over the phone who can help you with filling out the application or do it for you as they talk to you. Um, And if you want in-person help, you can look for agents or assisters in your area. Healthcare.gov has an option called Find Local Help. You should see that on their homepage. Um, And you can go there to search for help in your area if you'd prefer to work. Great. Thank you, Zoid. Our first question is from Susan, who wants to know what help is there for people who can't afford Affordable Care Act coverage and also the uninsured living in red states that refuse to expand Medicaid? Zoid. This one's a really tough one because unfortunately, with the way that the act was written, there isn't much help out there because the intent was to have that Medicaid coverage for folks Um, who would be able to afford ACA coverage or be able to meet the requirements to get a subsidy. Um, So if you don't have affordable employer coverage, you're sort of stuck in this position. I always encourage going ahead and filling out an application um, on healthcare.gov anyway, or on HealthSherpa, 
just to make sure that you're not eligible for more affordable ACA coverage. And I also always recommend contacting your state Medicaid agency and applying through them. Even if they haven't expanded Medicaid, there's different Medicaid programs in different states and even in different counties in some cases. And you may qualify for some form of assistance. There's even like spend down Medicaid, where if you end up having to spend more than a certain amount on your Healthcare, they that Medicaid program will cover past that, which you know is often a very high amount. It's not much um, in terms of it's not actual insurance coverage, but you will have some sort of catastrophic coverage if something were to happen. So I always recommend checking those out. Um, and beyond that, looking for sliding scale clinics, um, needymeds.org is a great place where you can look up different clinics in your area. Um, and we all are familiar with sites like GoodRx that will help you with your prescriptions. Um, and then, as I was saying, with filling out that application, really take a close look at your income. Um, so the subsidy for next year, um, a single person who makes at least uh, $13,590 for the year should be able to get a subsidy that completely covers a silver plan on the marketplace with um, some really nice cost-sharing reductions that would have low co-pays and out-of-pocket. Um, so really look at all taxable income you could possibly have next year. If you reasonably believe that you can make the minimum amount to get a subsidy, you can put that on your application. Um, so really look at that. Every source of income that you have, whatever you would put on your taxes, double-check that. Um, and you can also, again, call for assistance or work with an assister in your area um, if you need extra help. Great. And also, um, uh, Diane uh, pointed out there are federally qualified health centers. So there may be health centers in your area that offer care uh, on a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. And also next year is a new year. Uh, state legislators will be meeting again. And so this is a good opportunity to contact your state legislators if they have not expanded Medicaid to make health care available for low-income people in your state. And I'm specifically talking about states like Florida, Georgia, Texas, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and others that haven't expanded Medicaid. Now is the time to contact your state folks and your governor and ask them, tell them, beg them to expand Medicaid next year because they will have a chance again to do the right thing for their people next year. Our next question is from Joyce, uh, who says that uh, asks that does Medicare pay for insulin delivered by a pump without a Part D plan? Diane. Excellent question. So the answer is yes, you can get your insulin covered through Medicare Part B uh, and its durable medical equipment benefit. And through that benefit, um, you get the pump and uh, you are responsible generally for 20% of the cost of your insulin and, and medical equipment that goes with it. Uh, usually if you have supplemental coverage or Medicaid, that will pick up the cost. So most people do not pay out of pocket that 20%. The other thing everybody else should know is that under Part D of Medicare beginning in January of 2023, thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, the uh, Medicare Part D plans uh, will not be able to charge you more than $35 a month 
for your insulin that's covered under their plans. So you should never be paying more than that $35 a month if you're not using a pump and getting your insulin to take. Great. Uh, our next question is from Glenn, who says that uh, their doctor took away my whole prescription because of CVS Caremark through Aetna. Uh, and so Zoid, what happens if you are not able to get your prescription filled? Uh, perhaps it's a dispute between your insurer, your doctor, the pharmacy benefit managers. What do you do, Zoid? Yeah, so I, I looked into this case and they also linked to an article and it sounded like this was a case where um, the the pharmacy ah. benefit manager, sorry, you might be able to hear my dog, um, uh, they have a rule that you have to do like step therapy. So you have to try essentially cheaper drugs before moving on to this more expensive drug. And in some cases, those are somewhat reasonable. You know, those are essentially steps that doctors would normally take. However, if it's a case where the doctor says, you know, we can't do those step therapies for these reasons, we need to move to the next. Um, sometimes the pharmacy does not listen. And so the doctor can, can attempt an appeal um, and if your doctor, if that is not successful, um, unfortunately, what the pharmacy benefit manager is doing is mostly legal. Like you, this as a general rule is legal. However, there are some stipulations um, that, you know, insurance carriers and whoever is managing the, the drug formulary benefits, they can't um, be discriminating based off of just the cost alone and the type of illness that it is. So if it looks like their drug formulary is actually leaving out a whole subset of medications based off of those medications tend to cover people with, who are more ill, um, then that could be considered discrimination. Um, and so there are a few steps that you can take. You can reach out to your, your state's insurance department. Um, they might have a like third-party um, sorry, I'm losing the word. Um, Appeals? Uh, yeah, they might have a, a way for you to appeal it. Um, and they might be able to reverse the decision. Um, and then I would also, even though this doesn't strictly fall under the No Surprises Act, um, I would look into, um, they do have an appeal form through there if you feel like you are being unfairly um, charged or denied um, something and they may be able to help direct you to the right situation. This doesn't really fall under the No Surprises Act, but they kind of have set up that appeal so that if, even if it doesn't fall under their jurisdiction, they can try to help guide you. And you also might try bringing in other people with power to intercede on your behalf, perhaps contacting your congressperson or your senator or your state uh, representatives, because uh, they should have people on their staff that uh, their, their sole job is to help constituents with issues. So they may be able to appeal or call the pharmacy benefits manager and so on. And the call may be listened to a little dif differently if it's coming from a senator's staff person as opposed to uh, a, a regular patient. So I would definitely uh, try contacting the people that are elected to represent you and see if they can help you out on this as well. And next, that brings us to elections and what just happened and what that means for your health care. So uh, 
the elections last week, um, the results were good on a variety of fronts for your health care. Uh, specifically, South Dakota, uh, voters in South Dakota voted to expand Medicaid, which means that low-income South Dakota residents will be able to get health care through Medicaid uh, instead of being caught in the gap between uh, uh, being able to afford the Affordable Care Act health insurance. So uh, South Dakotans voted to expand it. It will take a while for that to, uh, you know, be in effect, but uh, coming soon, affordable health care to South Dakota. And that also means that we're down to 11 states that have not expanded Medicaid yet. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, contact your legislators if you are in one of those states uh, and pay attention to what they're doing next year, because hopefully expanding Medicaid is on the top of all of their lists. So that was one thing. Uh, a ballot initiative in Arizona also passed to limit uh, medical debt, uh, the uh, amount that uh, uh, the, the rates that people could be charged for medical debt. So to put in protections in place for Arizonans. So uh, there are some rules on, on this crippling medical debt. And because that passed, uh, we could potentially see uh, moves in other states to limit medical debt, how much people can charge you. Uh, so pay attention to that. And if you live in Arizona and have medical debt, this is great news. And also, uh, several states voted to support uh, or, or they voted against uh, restrictions on uh, abortion and reproductive health care. So states like Michigan, Vermont, and California, as well as Kentucky and Montana, either voted for ballot initiatives to protect uh, your reproductive rights, or they voted against initiatives that would have restricted them. So we see in a variety of states with a variety of different political leanings that the importance of reproductive care and being able to get the reproductive care you need, including an abortion, uh, is something that voters, regardless of their political party, did support. And also, there have been some changes in state legislatures, uh, specifically states like Minnesota and Michigan are now controlled uh, by Democrats uh, in, in their, their state houses as well as their governors. So you could see healthcare initiatives on a state level that haven't gone forward in those states uh, be able to move forward. So um, perhaps things like prescription drug boards to control uh, the prices of prescription drugs in those states uh, and public options to offer an alternative to uh, private insurance uh, coverage in those states. You could see a variety of different things happen in these states now that they have uh, healthcare motivated legislature tours in place. Uh, so that's some of the things that happened. And on the federal level, it's still a little murky because uh, votes are still being counted. We don't entirely know what is uh, what the outcome is going to be. But uh, Zoid, can you talk a little bit about what you see for next year on healthcare? Um, yeah, so one of the good things um, is that, you know, before elections that um, the House and Senate were able to pass extensions on the, um, sorry, the American Rescue Plan Act subsidies, which is awesome. So folks are going to continue to get 
those increased tax credits um, and you know the zero dollar silver plans for many low income Americans. Um, that those have now been extended until the end of 2025, um, which is great for the next uh, three years. Um, but um, we really also need to be looking forward to: Are we going to have you know representatives? and senators and an administration who will pass further legislation and sign further legislation to extend those or even make them permanent, which I think we would all prefer because so many people have been benefiting from this, especially during these times. Yeah, so it's a little unclear uh, how, how it's going to shape out. Uh, there are 50 pro-healthcare uh, legislators in the Senate, uh, but the House, a little unclear. If we don't get a majority of people willing to vote for uh, Affordable Care Act, health insurance being affordable, uh, then it could be a couple years before we have another opportunity. So uh, still up in the air, pay attention to uh, how Congress shakes out. Uh, and Diane, what else should we be thinking about or looking for based on these elections? So at the federal level, I think uh, the big issue that needs addressing is the debt ceiling and um, the fact that there are many Republicans that have spoken out to say that they will hold Social Security and Medicare hostage if they can um, to um, if if, um, the debt ceiling is going to be raised, which it must be raised in order to continue um, for the government to function. Um, we need that. Um, right now, at least we've won um, a, a majority in the Senate. And so there's a little bit more um, influence uh, to prevent that from happening. But as you said, Laura, uh, the House is still up for grabs and there's still plenty of Republican power and desire to cut Medicare and Social Security however uh, they can. Um, And I should just explain that Social Security pays for itself. We all pay in through um, our working, uh, through uh, through our earnings uh, to Social Security. And the only costs of Social Security is the money that we all pay in. Uh, So that Social Security is not something that imposes any kind of a burden um, on our finances. It's all paid for. It's like a life insurance policy, right? We're just putting money aside through our payroll contributions, and then we get that money back um, when we're most in need, either um, because of a disability or older age. So um, that should never be held hostage. Um, and Medicare is a lifeline for some 65 million older adults and people with disabilities. As it is, it has become increasingly unaffordable for people to get healthcare. We're seeing um, lots of really scary numbers of people who are skipping healthcare because they can't afford deductibles and co-pays. And uh, older people um, have never really been in this position, but as costs keep going up and nothing is done to rein them in, uh, out-of-pocket costs go up as well. So uh, holding Medicare hostage, raising raising the age of eligibility for Medicare, for example, would just be a terrible, um, terrible harm, injury to Americans, um, probably would cause countless more deaths. So hopefully we'll be able to get over this hump. And during the lame duck 
session of Congress, the Democratic Congress will pass um, what we need um, to get forward um, with the with our financing. Um, and if not, I think we could be spending a lot of time fighting cuts to Medicare and Social Security. So that's one big thing. On the prescription drug front, uh, we know that um, there are many Americans, probably the biggest issue for Americans across the country is the price of prescription drugs. We're paying two, three, four, five times what people in other wealthy countries are paying. It's not acceptable. It's, it's, it's a travesty and thousands of people are dying. Maybe hundreds of thousands of people are dying. We're not keeping tabs, but we do know that these copays um, kill, right? People can't afford them. They're just too high. And so we're hoping that we can have some more movement um, on the cost of insulin for everyone. It's hard to see how that happens, but um, with a big heavy push, maybe there's a way. Um, and really on the cost of, of, you know, the full panoply of drugs uh, that are just overpriced uh, drugs for cancer patients in particular, I think now are at least starting at $150,000 a year, something insane. So eventually Congress will get to it. It's hard to know or see how we're going to get to it in a divided Congress. But there's also, and one thing we should really talk about uh, is executive action. Biden does have some ability, the administration, to take action. Um, and maybe that's our way in um, if the Republicans take control of the House and don't want to move on health care in ways that are desperately needed. Absolutely. And uh, wherever you live in the country, uh, now is a good time to figure out who will be representing you in Washington, D.C. and in your state legislature next year. And uh, be in contact with them because whether they start their jobs January 1st or uh, whether it's uh, further into January that they start, they need to hear from you that healthcare is a priority, uh, that you want them to work on making health insurance more affordable and available, that they, you want them to work on making drugs more affordable. Because a lot of these people uh, are going to be brand new to doing this job that they have just been elected to do. And so you know they're going to be hearing from uh, lobbyists and uh, corporations that put a lot of money behind reaching out to them. But they also need to hear from you, average everyday people, and uh, tell them what you want them to do because uh, they may or may not have preconceived notions on what they want to work on. But if you reach out to them, and especially with your personal story, let them know how healthcare is affecting you and your family and what you want them to do about it. Uh, you can motivate them uh, perhaps to become healthcare champions. Uh, in Colorado, we just elected uh, an amazing doctor, uh, Dr. Yadira Caraveo, to represent Colorado's new 8th Congressional District. And I've worked with her on the state level where she's uh, in the Colorado legislature. She's passed bills to lower the cost of prescription drugs. And now she's going on to the U.S. House, where hopefully she'll be able to do that work on a larger level. But a lot of folks maybe elected have not 
served in elected office before. Uh, and this is really your chance to form their agenda uh, beyond them. Uh, reach out to them in person if they're doing in-person events. If not, uh, reach out to them through emails, uh, through calls to their offices. Although newly elected people are probably not set up yet to take calls in their new offices because they may not have even moved in yet. But you may be able to find an email address uh, for their campaign side, if nowhere else, and start reaching out to them now because they need to hear from you now that you want them to do something on healthcare, uh, regardless of their political party or what they may have uh, said in the past. Uh, consider this a clean slate, a fresh start, January, and Tell them what you want to do because they are your employees. They work for you. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Care Talk. We'll be back next week to keep answering your health care and health insurance questions. So please call or text in your questions. We will get you more answers next week. And uh, take advantage of open enrollment, whether it's for Medicare or uh, the Affordable Care Act health insurance. Now is the time to get covered for next year. Thank you. <music>